Hi everybody, welcome back. This week is Parsha's Tetzaveh. So let's remember where we were in the Parsha last week. We got a lot of instructions for building the Mishkan, which was that temporary temple-like structure that traveled with the Jews in the desert. Um, So this week we continue getting a few more instructions for building the Mishkan. We get the procedure of how to install the high priest into his role. We get the instructions for exactly what the high priest, the Kohen Gadol's garments would look like. And we also get some of the preliminary laws of sacrifices. I'm going to send out in the chat after this this note a diagram that was rendered by Art Scroll based on the descriptions in the Parsha this week that is a visualization of what the Kohen Gadol's garments would have looked like. So um, I found that really interesting and I wanted to pass it on to you. Um, so this week is actually called Parsha's Zahor, which is one of our four special Parshios leading up to Passover. Um, and Parsha Zachor, like we had a few weeks ago, it's a special maftir, so a special eighth aliyah. And we always read this aliyah right before Purim, the Shabbos before Purim, because um, the, the Parsha, as we'll see in a few seconds, it discusses the commandment to wipe out Amalek, which is the nation that Haman, who is a key player in the Purim story, was descended from. Um, so because the Haftorah is related to the special Maftir, I'm going to read the, the few Pesukim that make up the Maftir so we can understand the relationship between those two. So the, the Maftir actually comes from Devarim, from the very last book of the Chumash, but it's referring to an incident that we learned about a few weeks ago. It's referring to the incident of right after the Jews um, walked through the Red Sea, um, they they camped and there was while they were camped there was a nation a Malik that came and attacked them and these pesukim give us the commandment to um, remember that and and to wipe out that nation so pesukim say zachor es asher asalak lecha amalek v'derech b'tzeitz chemi b'tzrayim remember what Amalik did to you on your journey after you left Egypt asher karcha b'derech v'yazanev b'cha kol hanech shalim acharecha v'eta ayef v'yagea lo yirei elokim how they weren't afraid of God and they surprised you when you were on your way and when you were famished and tired they attacked all of the people who stumbled behind you v'haya b'haniach Hashem elokach halacha mikol oivecha misaviv this last Pesach says, Therefore, when Hashem your God gives you safety from all your enemies around you in the land that he is going to give you to inherit, you should blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heavens and you should not forget. So there's a lot to be said about the, this last pasuk. It seems like there's a bit of a contradiction. It says, wipe out the memory of Amalek and do not forget. Um, that's a whole nother shear. I'll leave that to somebody else. Um, but be aware that that, that is there. Um, so these can give us the commandment that, that we should remember Amalek and that we should, we should wipe out them as a nation. So I remember when I first learned this, I thought, well, this seems really harsh. What's, what's the point? Why do we have to kill the men, the women, the children, the animals, like why can't we just do war with them like any other nation? Um, there, there's a lot There's a lot deeper of, of, of a messaging here, however, because we, we saw in the Pesukim, it said that Amalek attacked the Bnei Yisrael from behind. They didn't come to do war with us in, 
in a way where, where it was army against army. They simply attacked the weak, innocent, tired people that were in the back of the group, and they worked their way forward into the army. Their goal was not to do battle with us for any practical reason. It was simply to kill. And because of that, it, they're, they're the embodiment of evil, of, of revenge, of, of, in essence, terrorism. And um, th- that's why the whole nation has to be, has to be destroyed. Um, there's, a, there's a debate now whether or not Amalek exists, but most mainstream opinions say that, that this nation doesn't actually exist anymore, but we continue to read this Parsha because of the, the um, you know, ideological messaging that, that we get from it. So moving on to the Haftorah, uh, the special Haftorah this week, it comes from Sefer Shmuel Aleph, Perak Tesvav, chapter 15. So like we said with the Book of Kings a few weeks ago, Shmuel by outside sources was actually divided into two books, but really it's it's one book. For some reason, we, we have kept the tradition that there are two, but it's really all one book. Um, so Sefer Shmuel is taking place, um, the Sefer Shmuel Aleph is taking place while Shaul, who is the first king of Israel, is, is reigning. Um, king Shaul comes before King David, and before King Solomon. So he's the very first king of Israel, and Shmuel is the one that that anointed him. So I should note that a lot of the Nevi'im that we've we've studied in this group in the past have been have taken place after the two kingdoms of Israel split, and that there's two kingdoms, two kings, they're completely separate from one another. Because, like I said, Shmuel was the very first king, this is actually taking place when the entire kingdom of Israel is united, it's all one. Um, this is after the Jews have come into Eretz Yisrael and have, have settled, but there's not a temple yet. Remember, that's not built until the reign of King Shlomo, and um, but the, the kingdoms are still united. So this is taking place around the Hebrew year 2730, which in secular years is around the 11th century BCE. And um, one other thing I'll note before we start is that at this point, the Nevi'im and the king, um, before before the kingdom split, the Nevi'im and the king had a much more collaborative relationship than they did after the kingdoms split and, you know, came apart from one another. Um, that being the case, what the Navi had to say, i.e. what God had to say, had a much more direct impact on the course of the king's action, and the king gave a lot more thought to what what God wanted via the Navi. Um, so the, the relationship between the Navim and the kings at this point is, is much different than, than we've seen in the later Navim that we have studied. So in this specific Haftorah, Shmuel, the Navi, is commanding Shaul, the first king of Israel, to attack Amalek and take everything that belongs to them. So at this point, like I said, the Jews are, are settled in Eretz Yisrael, but they're, they're not completely established yet. There are still a lot of remaining um, nations that, that lived in the land before the Jews came in that, that we're still working on, on driving out like God commanded us to do and in order that we can you know, get on with building the temple and doing what we need to do. So at this point, Shmuel commands Shaul to attack um, Amalek and take everything that belongs to them. Like the commandment from Devarim said, he said, leave no survivors. Um, you have to kill the men, the women, the children, and the animals. Um, in Pasuk Zion of Perak Tesvav, we see that 
Shaul, for the most part, um, obeys that commandment. He, it says that he destroyed Amalek from Chavilah, which is a city um, further north, sort of towards where central Israel is today, all the way to Shur, which is much closer to Egypt. So there's this large swath of land that that Amalek lived in, and he he destroyed everything from from this very large swath of land. Um, the caveat is that Shaul did kill, Shaul and his army did kill everything that they were supposed to kill, except for one person, Agag, who was the king in this region. Um, they captured him alive and they spared him. And in Pasuk Tess, we see really where the, the, the problem starts to to grow and to be exacerbated. It says, Vayachmol Shaul v'ha'am al-agag v'al meitav ha'tzon v'ha'bakar v'ha'mishnaim al-hakarim v'al-kol ha'tov. Shaul and his troops spared Agag and the rest of the sheep and the oxen, the secondborns, the lambs, and all else that was good, all else that was valuable to them. Um, so the, the Pasuk continues and it says they didn't kill everything, they only killed what they perceived to be valuable. So after this, this battle take place, Hashem comes to Shmuel Hanavi, who was actually not present when, when this battle took place that we just described. But God tells Shmuel that he regrets having chosen Shaul as the king. God says to Shmuel, look, he clearly didn't listen to what I told him to do. He, he threw his own two cents in there and he didn't follow my commandments at all. Um, so the next morning, Shmuel the Navi comes to King Shaul, and Shaul sees Shmuel. He gets so excited to see him. He says, you know, Baruch Hashem, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to see me. Look what I did. I fulfill what, what Hashem told me to do. Um, and the second part of the Pasuk, there's actually a bit of a pun in the second part of the Pasuk. It says, Vayomer Shmuel, kol hatzon asher Then what? Shmuel demanded of Shaul, is the bleeding of sheep in my ears. Why do I hear oxen? Why do I hear these these flocks of, of animals that you spared? What's going on? Um, and Shaul responds back to him, well, we thought it would be a good idea if we save these specific animals. They're, they're very good. They're very valuable. They can make great sacrifices. We could give them up to Hashem. And Shmuel essentially tells him at this point, you, you missed the shot. You did not, you did not listen. Is that what Hashem actually told you to do? Um, Shmuel says, um, does, does Hashem delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obedience to his commands? He says this word for word to King Shaul. He's saying, Hashem would have liked it a lot better if you would have just listened to what he told you. <laughs> so for another few psukim, Shmuel continues giving um, Shaul, Tochacha, giving him rebuke. And in Pasuk um, Ches, in Pasuk 28, um, Shmuel tells Shaul that the kingship is going to be torn away from him. And Mitzvah David actually says that this is an illusion that the kingship will, will be taken from Shaul and given to King David. Um, in the very end of the Haftorah, Shmuel eventually finishes the job himself. In Pasuk Lamed Gimel 33, he kills Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and um, he, he finishes the job that, that Hashem initially commanded Shaul to do. So 
what can we get from this in 5783 as, as students of the Haftorah? So when I read this Haftorah, I was immediately reminded of a little bit of a schmooze that my Rav, Rabbi Yitzchak and Shlita gave a few months ago. Um, he reminded us, this was in Parsha's Kedoshim, um, the, the second pasuk of this parsha, we're commanded, Kedoshim to you, ki kadosh ani Hashem alokechem. The pasuk says, you shall be holy, for I, Hashem, your God, am holy. And what Rabbi Sharon said, that really struck me, is he says, notice that the pasuk says, Kedoshim to you, you will be holy. It doesn't say, Kedoshim targishu, you should feel holy. Um, a lot of times, we get those two things confused. This is a very classic divide that I think is demonstrated really perfectly by Shaul's decision not to follow Hashem's directions exactly. Hashem gave him, through Shmuel, very, very clear directions of exactly what I want you to do. Um, but Shaul, thinking that he knew what the rules of war were from you know, what we had received in the past, and going with his moral conscience, this, this commandment to destroy Amalek, men, women, children, animals, everything, is, as we know, seems kind of against our moral compass. Um, when we're dealing with other nations, we don't take their stuff for no reason. We don't kill innocent civilians, but this is the exception to the rule. Um, Shaul probably didn't have malicious intentions here. I don't, I really, when I read this, I didn't feel like he wanted to spite God by not listening to his instructions, but at the end of the day, he didn't do what he was told to. And we as Jews, you know, have one job is to listen to, to what the mitzvahs are. Um, Shmuel reminds us that the definition of being quote unquote holy is doing what Hashem tells us to do and not doing what feels right. Especially in, in our times of what feels more quote unquote from or what we might feel more social pressure to do. Um, learning Torah and practicing Torah is all about pursuing the MS, the truth. It's about doing Ratzon Hashem, what Hashem wants us to do, even when it's extremely difficult, or even when we think that logically we know better. That's not our job is to outsmart God. Our, our job is to just do what he tells us to do, because we know that the Torah he gives us is complete MS. Um, this seems like a really simple message, but I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we do this all the time in our daily lives. We try to rationalize. We try to say, no, this doesn't make sense. They don't want to do it. I caught myself doing it just this week. Um, but but that's not that's not really what our job is. So I think an excellent tefillah for this week, and again, going with the theme of Purim, is that Hashem should give us the clarity to know what his rutzon is, even, even when there's not a straightforward halacha, even when it's not so obvious. And he should also give us the strength to carry it out, even when we feel external or especially internal forces in our own minds and our own hearts that are working against that. So um, I wish everyone a freilich in Purim. I hope you enjoy the simcha of next week. I hope you're able to take in also such a wonderful special day for tefillah and for connecting to Hashem with all the extra mitzvahs that we have. Um, as always, please let me know if you have any thoughts or suggestions of how this could be improved, if something didn't make sense, if something did make sense. And um, also, if you have any other friends, um, women only, but if you have any other female friends that you'd like to invite to this chat, please feel free to do that. I would love to have as many people as we can. Um, so good Shabbos, everybody, and I'll see you next week.